Well, one of the nice things about uh, the Triduum, you know, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and, and the Easter Vigil is that the people who come, you know, I, I just presume really want to be here so I can preach as long as I want. And, uh, you know, they, I just presume you have nowhere to go. So uh, it's, uh, it's good to have you here with me. It's good for us to be here. Um, I, I'd like to kind of break down the readings into sort of three descriptive words. What, who, and why. What, who, and why. And I think they kind of fall into place. The message falls into place rather nicely. So let's, you know, let's go back to this Exodus reading. You remember the story, right? The, the, uh, the Israelites are enslaved in Egypt. And Moses has come and said to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh is obstinate and he won't let them go. And so the plagues come. And finally, you know, the last sign or the last, uh, the, the last act of God will be to kill every male firstborn in Egypt. Right? But then uh, the Israelites receive the instruction from the Lord. If, if you wish to have your home passed over, and we heard the reading, take an unblemished one-year-old lamb, a young lamb, unblemished, perfect lamb, and slaughter it, and eat it as though people in haste, ready to depart, right? Consume the lamb, and then take its blood and, and put that blood on your doorpost, and the angel of death will pass over your house. You will be spared. You will be saved. And so the Israelites did this, and the angel of death passed over and spared them. And since they were in haste, the next morning, right, they, they departed. Pharaoh finally relented. He realized he was dealing with a power much greater than himself. Pharaoh relents um, and, and lets the people go, God's people go, and off they, they rush out of, out of Egypt. And then the, every year the Israelites would celebrate this meal of Passover. They would do it over and over and over. It was, it was to be a perpetual memorial. Right? And so the people very much, this act of God, this remembrance of what God did to deliver them from slavery, right? and to ultimately deliver them to the promised land, this very much this act of God was tied to a meal, a meal of a perfect lamb, a perfect lamb whose blood was shed so they could be saved. And they did it over and over, just like the, the first time they did it over and over. They probably wondered, why do we do the same one over and over and over and over and over? And then, in the fullness of time, that was the what, and here comes the who. Here comes Jesus in the fullness of time. And after spending all this time with his disciples, they celebrate Passover together. And the, the disciples have celebrated this every year, and they know what they're in for. But then Jesus does something different with the meal, right? And this is what St. Paul tells us from Corinthians. And Jesus takes the bread. You can imagine the disciples saying, you know, what's he doing? He takes the bread. He says, take and eat. This is my body. Take and eat. 
do this in remembrance of me. And then he takes the wine at the end of the meal. Take and drink, this is my blood of the new covenant. Not just the covenant you've been, you know, celebrating by remembering Passover all these years. Now I'm doing something new, but linked to the old. For there will still be a sacrifice. A lamb, a perfect lamb will still be sacrificed. The blood will be shed. A meal will be celebrated. And it will be done in perpetuity. But it will be a new covenant that I want you to celebrate with each other. And I want you, my disciples, to do this in perpetuity. I'm connecting the old with this new. And the reason that the Lord your God gave you the Passover was not just for that event. The reason he wanted you to memorialize it was because he was setting you up. He was preparing you for this day. Remember when I told you, you remember John chapter 6, remember when I told you, the Bread of Life Discourse, of course they didn't call it that, but you know, when I told you some time ago, he says to his disciples, about eating my flesh and drinking my blood and you will have life within you, now it's revealed what that meant. Take this bread and eat it. Take this wine, it's now blood, my blood, and drink of it. It is a new covenant. And continue to do this for my people. And Paul receives this message, of course, after the Lord had died and, and rose from the dead and then ascended back to the Father. And we know historically, you know, not just from the scriptures, which clearly state the early church did this. Right away, the early church understood what Jesus meant. They started celebrating this new meal. They understood that Jesus changed the Passover meal, did something new, and they were now celebrating this meal with bread and wine that had been changed through the action of the disciples into the body and blood of Christ. And we know this from the scriptures, and we also know it from other Christian writings at the time. All the Christians talked about how they ate and drank the body and blood of Christ. They all understood from the very beginning what they were doing. There was no misunderstanding. This was not some invention that came about, you know, a thousand years later or developed later on in time. Certainly the, the form of the mass developed, yes. But they understood from the beginning what Jesus told them to do. Take the bread, say the blessing, and it becomes his body. Take the wine, say the blessing, and it becomes his blood. Believe what Jesus handed on to you. And so they did. That's the who. It's Jesus given to his people in perpetuity so that he could be with them forever, even after he goes back to the Father. What, who, why? What's really interesting is when John, the Apostle John, talks about the Last Supper, he doesn't talk about, you know, the institution of, of the, the body and blood like the other, the other three Gospels do. He talks about something else, and that's what we heard tonight. He talks about this washing, 
And what this does is it gives us a why. What is the Eucharist for? Now, this doesn't exhaust everything about the Eucharist, but it gives us clearly, clearly, the, the central focus of Christ. Why did he give them the Eucharist? After he was done giving them the Eucharist, he then went and washed their feet. And this was so important that Peter, of course, being Peter, says, no, you can't wash my feet, you know, because feet are pretty grimy at that time, as opposed to now where they're, they're lovely, right? <laughs> you can imagine everyone's wearing sandals, right? I mean, you can imagine how grimy uh, walking around in dirt all day, how feet would be pretty awful. So to have the master wash his feet, Peter was saying, no, you can't, come on, this is degrading. A slave, a servant washes feet. You don't wash feet. You're, you're the master, you're the teacher, you're the savior. You're, you don't wash feet. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you cannot you cannot be with me. You cannot have communion with me. You cannot be mine. And so, of course, Peter being Peter says, well, then wash the whole bit of me. You know, <laughs> completely overboard. He had no subtlety, right? Jesus said, no, no, no. The feet, the feet are enough, Peter. It'll get, it'll get the point across. And then at the end, he says, do you understand, my, my beloved apostles? Do you understand what I've done for you? The Eucharist is to lead to service. The Eucharist is to lead to charity, the great act of charity. And so the reflection for all of us tonight, right, is, I mean, certainly Holy Thursday is about the institution of the Eucharist. It's about the institution of the, the ministerial priesthood. And it's, the, it's about the great commandment that we are to love one another, right? The, the Eucharist is given to us for what? So that we might love. We might receive and give love and pour out love. Why is the ministerial priesthood given? So that through some of us, God's love might be given and poured out. Right? Principally through the Eucharist and through reconciliation, through the sacraments. And why is the Eucharist given to all of us? so that God's love may be given and poured out. What God wants to do in all of us, priest, you know, ministerial priest and priesthood of all of us, we are all priests, we're all baptized unto Christ's priesthood. The reason that the Lord gives us his Eucharist himself is so that we might have his love intimately within us, but not that it stops there so that we in turn pour out that love to those around us. And this is hard. This is so hard, but it starts with service. It starts with giving of ourselves, right? Giving of, giving of not just our things away, but giving of our time away, right? Giving of, um, giving of our resources, giving of our talents, etc. How can we be of greater service in our families, in our communities, in our churches? How can we do more? This is what Christ desires of us. If we are to be Christians, just like he was telling the, the disciples, if we are to be his, 
we cannot merely receive the Eucharist and say, make me holy, but holiness is wrapped up in receiving the Eucharist and then pouring out that love, diffusing that love, just like God diffuses his love to all of us. Holiness must mean that also. It can't be hoarded. It has to be given away. Love isn't love unless it's given away. It has to be shared. Please stand.